This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. So t- tell me, where are we with this trend? Um, some, some might say it's a bit too late in that, uh, well, some might say many things, right? What one, one philosophy is, it's kind of too late to start a company in this space. Uh, and maybe that's true. I felt that about my industry when I was maybe five, six years in, right? Too late to start a company in this space. The current companies that started have been in here for a while. They're gonna own the market completely. Another view of the market is that this space is just about to get reinvented and there'll be new giants emerging and the old ones were just version one. Version two and version three are about to come and they're gonna be giants. And the other one is nothing's gonna happen. COVID was a temporary situation um, and people are gonna revert back to the normal. Where do you stand in your belief with where uh, the trend is going with regarding to the future of work? I would say um, some of all of those aspects, but none of the above. Uh, <laughs> so obviously I believe COVID COVID was a, a temporary situation. The world is going to return to something more like a new normal. Um, but uh, COVID didn't create this change. COVID accelerated a trend that was already going to happen, um, which was remote work and the technology that enables us to be having this, this conversation across the world. It's not going to go away. So, uh, And the ability of knowledge workers to be flexible about where they work as I said, I'd be, been working remotely since 2005. I was an early user of Skype because I had to be because I was in China and my, my home office was in London. Um, so that's it's just going to keep growing. And the desire of people to have spaces that cater for the way they want to work isn't going to change. So I don't think it's going to go away. At the same time, White space is not in any way uh, competing with or substituting for uh, all the varieties of solutions for office work. We're collaboration space. We're on-demand collaboration space, which is a different category. So I'm actually, again, uh, don't, don't want to be arrogant, but we're creating a new product category. There's where you work, which could be the office, it could be a remote spoke office, it could be working from home, it could be using a co-working space, it could be using a coffee shop, or some combination of all of all of that. And then there's this other thing, which is when you need to get together in a group for some business purpose, you need to do a workshop, you need to do a training course, you need to have a quarterly sales review with people who don't necessarily all work in the same office. You need to do a team building, which you can't do remotely. You want to uh, have new employee induction and you want to do it in batches and you want to do it face to face. All of those activities have to happen in real uh, face to face interactions in a group, but that space doesn't need to be in your office. And so we're adding a new network node to this locus of where the future of the office is. Um, and that category is going to be part of where we work. So what is the difference between how you'd explain like co-working and co-meeting spaces or, or you know, explain this idea of this new category? So co-working is part of the solution to day to day. Where do you do the main thing that you do? 
you know, what you consider work, the thing you clock in and clock out of, you know, the thing that you do as part of your daily activities. But collaboration space um, happens sometimes. Um, and how often that sometimes is, it could be once a week, it could be once a month, it could be once a quarter, it could be once a year. It's that occasional need to get together with people who you're not interacting with on a daily basis. Um, so as I said, creativity workshops, brainstorming sessions, review, quarterly review meetings. Um, you know, Accenture is in our in our space right now doing a, a new batch intake for their technology certification program. So they're three weeks uh, of the year using these this new class intake for certifying them as technical excellence professionals, something like that. Um, that's different than the day-to-day -day work. It's that occasional, sometimes, professional event. You know, it's, it's crazy today to, uh, recently an article came out saying that startups um, now spend more on Airbnb than office spaces. Uh, companies, are, companies are now um, just getting used to the fact that we need flexible spaces for events and, and meeting. And um, it's a growing segment. It is a new category, one that doesn't strike you as intuitive. You, you, we tend to categorize things um, into certain areas like co-working and office and you know, hotels, etc. But the human behavior, the need to meet and collaborate, collaborate together uh, is, is an innate need that we have that's been drawn out during COVID. And there hasn't been a way for us to do that. We've been stuck in our routines. And look, a meeting's a two-way street. You know, I need to be available, you need to be available. And virtual is one way of doing it. VR is another, by the way, and we're not, we're not, VR is so early, right? But having a place you can get to and do things is, is interesting. Um, what type of spaces are people craving now? Um, uh, you know, are, are people, um, people left heavily populated urban dense areas, mainly because rents are crazy in these places and people don't want to pay those rents, right? And they want to be surrounded by nature more and more. People want more breathing room. We, we've, we've over time historically seen this reversal of the de-densification trend where we are cramming more and more people into smaller and smaller spaces. It's almost like we're going back to this cubicle type of environment where you know there's more people uh, per square feet or less space per person. Uh, that's now sort of reversing, it seems. Um, so what, what are you seeing? What, what are people craving? Well, I think that's one area where um, the difference between the Asian market and the North American or the other geographies market is very, very different. So our experience here um, post-COVID is that uh, the Chinese government controlled COVID very well. People feel safe. Um, they're not deserting the big cities. The urbanization of the population here in China is ongoing. Um, the cities are just as dense as ever and probably still growing. And uh, that's why White Space is, is a business very much focused on the Asian market. These are densely populated urban centers with well-defined commercial districts and uh, a young white-collar profession, growing professional class that don't have cars, that are re relying on public transportation to get to their work situation, whether that's an office, a co-working space, or uh, a collaboration space. So our spaces are in commercial office buildings that are within five minutes walk of a metro station um, where access is easy. 
um, and it may or may not be close to their main office, but it's going to be easy for them to get to it that occasional once a week, once a month, whenever they need to come and collaborate at Whitespace. So what do people want? Do they want aesthetics? Do they want functionality? When it comes to even the market that you're targeting, and I'm curious to dive into sort of the differences between North America and the Asian markets, or China specifically even, but what 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 are you seeing people crave? Do they just want lots of space and, and you know, um, maximum, you know, utilization, or do they want uh, specific types of designs and open type of uh, concepts? Um, what they really... Uh what they well you know what people want and what they're willing to pay for in a product are often two different things um and ultimately what they what they want as in what are the required features um they want affordable that that means they need value for money and in a city as expensive as shanghai that providing that is an art right that is part of our competitive advantage is we know how to find the bargains and we know how to operate in a in a, a very efficient way to provide that value for money so that's where my engineering background comes in this is a uh, a utilization and, a, and an efficiency play um, making the best possible use of space so that people can afford it so they want affordability they want convenience accessibility um, they want uh, a smooth booking experience um, here in Asia uh, mobile uh, everything. Uh, it's mobile first, uh, including mobile payments. I haven't touched money in like six months. Um, so you do everything from your phone. So that whole interaction from the search to interacting with us, booking the room, arranging all of the services, and then finding the place all has to happen on mobile. Um, and then when you come to the space, they want a uh, flexibility. Those old boardroom style tables um, just don't work. That's not what, it looks great in the brochure um, and then nobody uses it or underutilizes it. What does flexibility mean? Does it mean having a variety of inventory, different types of spaces, or does it mean the ability to configure the space for the individual? Surely that it's not that, because that would be quite intensive with, when it comes to the, you know, the fixed assets in place, the furniture, for example. No, it actually does mean that. So our rooms, um, we have the flexible dividing walls like you see in the hotels so that um, rooms can be divided in half. We have a variety of sizes from a four person meeting room to a 150 person meeting room. Um, obviously not meeting training room or, or workshop room. And we have very light tables and chairs um, that our operation staff can turn around a room from uh, classroom style to boardroom style in half an hour between bookings. And this is the trend when we talk about introducing even what you do is flexible. You really mean flexible in the nature of the real estate that exists. Flexible in that I can change the size of the room and the decor and furniture in the room and turn it over very quickly to make a customized space. Now, the way we described it in the future, someone listening 20 years from now will probably laugh at this podcast and say, that's archaic. I know you're thinking ahead, you're a visionary. In the future, what will flexible mean? Like, let's get a bit crazy here. What future do you envision? Uh, and you're listening to a bunch of people that are also crazy, my listeners are, you know, right? So, you know, um, throw it out there. Like, how far can you push the button here? I do believe that VR 
will eventually become a mature enough technology that um, instead of you and I having this conversation over uh, Zoom or, or Skype or any of the uh, video conversation platforms, you know, 20, 30 years from now, maybe we will be having it through VR where we can actually interact. Um, do you think we're going to wear the device or do you think we'll go to a place and a room and we'll be in a little pod? Like, wh which do you think is more likely for the future? Well, certainly in the short term, uh, short term being within the next decade, we'll go to a place where there'll be a pod. The equipment is so specialized and so expensive that exactly, you've put your finger on it. The heart of white space is our vision is we help people come together to create. That is what we do. Right now, that's offline, but if VR gets more mature, we'll be providing VR. In some ways, it's like the internet cafe movement where people used to go to internet cafes to do their thing, and then technology grew out of that to our homes. Do you think VR is gonna go that way too? Well, you're gonna to go to a location for these very high-end devices and experiences, and it'll filter back to the masses. It's quite possible. I, I would say likely, yeah. Let's talk about some of the, the potential prop tech uh, you know, innovations. Do you think there'll be uh, sort of modular buildings that can be arranged robotically even, where walls can be moved automatically? Right now you're talking about dividers, right? But do you think we'll get to a point where there'll be these mm. dedicated meeting rooms or, or facilities which will have the ability for the walls to be more, you know, robotically moved so there's less human beings involved? Do, do you see a future where that's going to be the case or do you think we'll never get there because of the just sheer complexity of, you know, doing that? I would see um, that could be possible, but I would see it the other way around. It's, um, it's actually the revolution in, that's allowed white space to um, create this new category is not a revolution in the hardware that's applied to the building. It's a revolution in communications. So the fact that we can communicate seamlessly through these apps or mini programs on our phones that allows me to move the people to the location. So if you think about it, why do hotels have meeting space? A hotel is somewhere you stay, and then they, they, they started growing these conference centers. Well, in part because people were coming to conferences, but then they had this meeting room and they would market it externally because that was the one place you knew you could go to book a meeting room. It came out of a pre-internet era where search was difficult. So the category you knew had space was a hotel but now search is seamless so you can find and book a room in any commercial building and get that information communicated to you and to all the participants instantly so you've decoupled the need for the space to be a fixed space that everybody knows about to now being a flexible space that could be anywhere in the city and you move the people to it so it's kind of we're reversing we're reversing the assembly line. I'm using a 50-year-old technology to manage our, our operations called enterprise resource planning, which was developed for assembly lines where you had to make all the parts come to the right point on that assembly line as it's moving down. And what I'm, you need to picture is we're moving the people to the rooms and we're moving all the other services, the coffee and tea breaks and the lunch boxes and the room decorations to the rooms. So it's reversing that you have a fixed room and you're moving people and services through time to that point. Everything goes towards more on-demand marketplace style where you can have things delivered to you. You could have vendors, you know, appearing instantly 
uh, to satisfy the need. It's communication, it's logistics. It's not necessarily, you're not talking about more advanced furniture that can you know adapt to your needs uh you know whether it's a, a lovely chair that knows your setting and a desk that knows your height your thing is just get people and move people around uh, of course the space has to change a little bit to allow that what about access control do you see access control uh being a, a physical you know um, based and i'm sure china's extremely ahead when it comes to access control but is it is it cameras is it key cards is it fobs is it sensors is it a mix of everything uh what what where do you see access control going and just for viewers access control is uh what i pretty much said all right how do you ensure that someone's supposed to be there uh, you don't want to be in the situation Barbara was where she can't even get through the door because the system won't let her because she's got a booking at exactly 2 p.m. and she's there five minutes early. Access control is smarter. So, Barbara, what works through about the future of access control? Well, it's interesting because China is an extremely advanced country on some aspects of technology, but it's also um, old school in terms of um, what people want is actually personal service. So our spaces are manned. One of the ways we differentiate ourselves from the inevitable copycats is through our service layer. Um, what people want is a person on hand to help me connect to the Wi-Fi, to help me make sure that um, you know my presentation shows up on the screen, to uh, be able to call on if there's a problem with the air conditioning. So we're providing that um, front level service um, so that they feel that their event is going to go well. There is someone there to help them. So at the moment, our access control is front desk staffing. Now, in the future, will that be 100%? Probably not. Um, as we expand, we'll probably follow what I call the, the Starbucks model, where you have like the main stores, and then you have the kiosks. Um, and in the future, we're going to be in in hundreds of commercial buildings across all of Asia where where you go into a building now you look around the lobby it's like where's the coffee stand where's the Starbucks where's the cost is if it doesn't have a coffee shop in the lobby is it really a professional building I mean come on right what kind of building is it and that is a marker of, of your commercial space and in the future white space is going to be like that it's where's where's the coffee stand and where's my collaboration space where's the white space